Jordan, tell us what sparked your interest in real estate? Um, I actually wasn't initially interested in real estate. My folks got into it and they did it for years and they were so busy all the time. Couldn't get a hold of them. You finally got a hold of them and said, hey, hold on. I'll, I'll get back with you. I got another call on the line. Mm. Three days later, they maybe <laughs> sent you a text. Hey, sorry, I forgot <laughs> to call you back. So that was kind of my introduction to, to the lifestyle of real estate. I just really didn't love that. Mm -hmm. My wife and I were going to the U together. We got married and we were both up at the U. And my tuition was for the both of us. I then was paying two tuitions, hers and mine. And we were both working. I think it was $9,500. And I was making $18,000 a year at the time going to school. And I was like, yeah. well, the math doesn't really, <laughs> really work out. <laughs> so I was talking to my dad about it. And he said, well, why don't you come and work with us? And you can do you know, showings. You could mm -hmm. be a buyer's agent. You could do a couple different things. So I reluctantly kind of worked through getting my license. And, and as I got into it, I actually ended up really liking it quite a bit. So there were a lot of things that I liked talking with people, being around people, seeing different parts of the city. So there was a lot of things that I was attracted to. It just wasn't necessarily the lifestyle, the way that my folks did it, because they really worked hard. Um, and not to say that I don't work hard. It's just I, I try and manage my time a little differently. And how long ago was that? Um, this is my, I'm coming up on my 10th year. And are you still working with your parents? Or are you nope. broken off? So they've retired and I mm -hmm. just took over the McQueen team. So the McQueen team at the moment is me and a couple of assistants. So I've had buyer's agents and different things before. And I really liked that quite a bit. Um, and I liked being a buyer's agent for my folks. But yeah, they've, they've retired now. And so I've just taken over everything. Taking the reins. Yeah. So I do have, you know, uh, definitely some clientele from them previously. And I've got a lot of new new business that is is my own that I've accumulated over the years as well. And what's your favorite part about being a realtor? That's a good that's a great question. There's there's a lot <laughs> that I like about it. And for that same reason I don't like it. The flexibility is great. Yeah. But you also sit on the beach and, and text and make phone mm -hmm. calls, yeah. right? So you have the flexibility to be at the beach or be at the lake or do these different things in random hours. But then seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, you're out to dinner and you're still getting messages. So I like the flexibility quite a lot, and it's really just managing time and and helping your clients say, "Hey, look, these are my you know these are my typical hours. I'm available. Let's get everything done before four or five o'clock." Yeah, I think a lot of times, and I haven't been a, a businessman myself. I was in insurance for thirty some odd years. You know, I loved being uh, my own boss, but. I didn't love being my own boss too, because that meant I was always the boss at 24 seven. Yeah. I think there's more pros to that than there are cons. Mm -hmm. It is definitely a balance. And my wife was very gracious with me for those first couple of years where I was trying to figure out that balance. And it was 90% work, 10% at home. And so the balance was not there. She was just really super patient with me, which was very helpful. I think having, you know, a partner that is, at least open to helping out makes makes a world of difference in this business. Now, being able to pay the bills, did that help? <laughs> yeah. So that first January, my wife had like a $250 check from her work. It was just like a random, you know, it wasn't the full paycheck. And that is what got us through our January bills. And then I made my first closing and made $2,400 on it. And I could not have been more excited because that was 
more than I'd made yeah. in one check. And it also paid the bills and alleviated some of the stress so that I can continue to work. And then from there, I was making more and more money and it just worked out really nicely so that now I'm to the point where I don't have to pressure people into, I, I don't think it feel like I ever did pressure mm -hmm. people into sales, but I really give them lots of options. You know, if this deal doesn't work yeah. out, let's cancel it. Make sure that it's the right one for you. There's nothing behind it saying, oh my gosh, I've got to make that payment. And if you yeah. don't close on this, I'm in deep water, yeah. Yeah. right? I, I don't like to put my clients in that position, um, nor does anybody like to mm -hmm. feel like that. Yeah. Right. So I feel like I've done a, a pretty good job at getting to the point where I can have that flexibility. And as I get that deal, it's great. And if I don't, it will come eventually. But it, you know, th there is some flexibility with working with people, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, because years ago, I would just like do receptioning here and there at Title One. And I've been impressed with you and your, with your clients because you really seem to know everyone, like the kids, like, and what they like, and you're excited with them. And it really shows that you care as their agent. I appreciate that. I'm glad that that's something that you've noticed. It's, I try and make everyone feel included. I may try and make everyone feel like this is a big, important deal. I, you know, it's not just a small little transaction. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of emotion managing that is going on with it. There's wrangling kids. And I think that parents are the most stressed to bring their kids. They say, well, this is a big deal and the kids are going to be running around. Oh, I bring the little Lightning McQueen cars and we open them up and we zoom them across the table. Yeah. And, and so then me and the kids are off playing and doing things and the parents can kind of do their own. And they realize it's not as intense because I'm off goofing off in the corner mm -hmm. with the kids and, and really, you know, letting them focus on, on their side of the transaction. So yeah, that, that's a, that's one of those fun things. Um, and I, I do enjoy doing that with the clients and people and the kids. Well, so what do you, I mean, the market is changing right now. What do you think the biggest challenge is right now facing the buyers, uh, in this market? Yeah. Well, and, and the sellers, Oh, and the sellers, sure. Um, so for, sure. I, and for the buyers, it's just more expensive. The house prices have gone up quite a lot, and then the interest rates have, and the house prices have not come down to match how high the interest rates have gone up. So there is a bit of a challenge. And one thing that I think buyers are doing right now is they're saying, hey, look, this is the house we want. Yes, we can stomach the payment at 6% interest. It's not fun. Although if we buy it and then hopefully things turn around and then we can refinance next year. And if they can't, can they still make the payment? The answer has to be yes. Because I'm not going to get somebody into a house that they say, look, we can make this payment for six months after that. We're out of luck. Yeah. No, you can make the payment. And then if it goes down, then you just refinance and you've got a better payment. Um, so that's one of the things. The other thing is if people aren't serious buyers, I think they're just bound out right now. I, I don't think they're serious enough to make the transaction happen. Mm -hmm. I'll send messages. Hey, I saw this house. What do you think about it? Yeah, it looks like a pretty good one. I'm like, no, it's actually a really good one. And it's about 15,000 less than the others. And, you know, here's maybe some, some of the details on it. Yeah, it's kind of expensive still. Okay. Like that, that's fine, but you can really get a gauge on people's interests mm -hmm. and how they communicate back to you. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're busy. Sometimes they, when you're they don't know how to say, I can't do it. And I'll get right to the root of that yeah. as well, right? So I'm not going to be bugging them for months and months. Mm -hmm. The other thing is 
There are people that say, yeah, interest rates are high. Houses are, are expensive. I want a house. Let's make it happen, right? And, and it's there are those buyers out there. And now there's more inventory for them. And yeah. so they have a little bit more time to think about it. They can be a little bit more methodical about it and say, this is what I want in a house. Well, the, the nice thing about that, which I, I think buyers should really think about more, uh, even though interest rates have gone up, when you have interest rates down real low, it really is like a dog eat dog. You may end up buying a house that you think was your house. And then, but you got to get it because there's 18 offers on it and, you know, you're just happy you got the house. Yeah. Then you get in it and two years down the road, you go, crap, I, I don't even know if I really like this house, but I felt pressured. Yeah, I think, I mean, that brings up a good point. I think in the next six months, eight months, maybe you'll see a lot of turnover where people just bought something because it was available and because they got mm -hmm. an accepted contract. So now they're saying, well, you know, I actually do want a bigger yard or I actually do yeah. want a better kitchen. I actually do want a basement where this one's kind of small. And, and so you'll see a little, I think you'll see a little bit more turnover because of that exact reason is they got in because it was a house, not because yeah, it, was the house. it was the house. When I started looking, you know, it was definitely a seller's market, right? But with it shifting to a buyer's market, are there any benefits to that for buyers that maybe they don't know about. Yeah. You just have a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of time to think about it and say, yeah, we want this house. Let's go look at the other three in the area and then take the night to think about it and then take the weekend to think about it and then come back and three of the four are still there. And then you decide which one you want. So we haven't had that much time to think about houses in a long time. And so now that you have a little bit of space, I think that people can get out and, you know, we're working a little bit longer and harder as realtors again, because you now are showing a house on Friday and you're not just writing it off or getting accepted mm -hmm. and then, yep. you know, following mm -hmm. back up on Monday with the contract, you're now following back up with four or five properties and more properties. You go look at more properties on Monday, more properties on Tuesday, and then you can reconsider all the properties that you've seen the previous week. We haven't been able to do that. If you didn't write an offer that day, you just weren't getting it. And so it was kind of out of your mind. You just wouldn't think about the house again because <laughs> there were so many offers on it. So yeah, to have a little bit more, more breathing room, I think is a huge advantage. People are going to be more open to closing costs as well, mm. paid for by the sellers. Which is nice. Yeah. Because they're going to have really a $20,000 down payment right. mm -hmm. and 7000 in closing costs. You ask for 5000 of that. And now they've only got to come up with 22000 rather than 27000 Right. They've got an extra 5000 that they had budgeted because they were looking in March. Their payment might be a little bit higher. And now they can go and do some of those things, some of those upgrades, paint the walls, redo the carpets. So it's giving the buyers a little bit more flexibility as well. I just want your perspective for the time that you've been in. Is this normal to have more than two days to look at a property? Recently, no. Uh, recently, it's been super, super quick. Mm -hmm. uh, as of June, we've now seen 10, 15, 20 days on market. And it's usually one, two, three, or four. If it had four days on market, you'd call the agent. Hey, how many offers do you have? And when's your response time? Was it last night or is it today? Mm -hmm. oh, it's today. Great. How many offers am I competing against? Can I still get that in? That's on day four. Mm -hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So now just a little bit more time. Yeah. Two days on market was just normal. And 
thankfully it's loosened up a little bit. So we have a little bit more. So time. like even like five years ago, what would be the average? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, no, it wasn't that quick. I mean, you're seeing, you know, seven to 15 days on market. I think previously a couple months ago here, the start of 2022, you just said, Hey, look, the comps are at 450. Let's list at 470. And then you get an offer at 490. Like, <laughs> yeah. This makes no sense. Right. And so it was like, there wasn't really rhyme or reason yeah. to it other than that people were just gobbling houses up super quickly. So the time on market reflected exactly that a huge bidding war and then it was off the market again. Prior to that, probably prior to the pandemic, we're realistically yeah. about where we have seen 10, 15 days on market. That's just not that bad. When you see 30 and 40 days on market, that was pretty bad back then. Mm -hmm. And now it's really bad now. It just, you know, it's like people are kind of stuck at, I want to sell it for this price. And they're having a hard time coming down off oh, their prices. So then they just sit mm -hmm. because not that people don't want to buy it and not that people won't, wouldn't pay that price. They just can't afford it with high interest yeah. rates. I've, I was actually asking this question because I had a friend that just went to sell her house and she was a little disappointed because I think they got like one or two offers and I think that she was still expecting and yeah. it was 12 days and I think she was still expecting the super fast 14 offers yeah. Yeah. and so I just think it's good as the market is shifting for people to see what was like normal before the pandemic and not too stressed. So that's just setting expectations. Mm -hmm. I had a listing appointment where my comps, my highest comp was 502,000 and the recent sales were at 470. Mm -hmm. And I said, I would probably list this at 460, which sounds crazy. I have comps with uh -huh. way higher. The comp that was at 502 closed the middle of April. They oh, probably yeah. locked in rates at three and a half, four percent. Oh, yeah. So now that it's higher, I'm saying, look, you're going to still be more expensive of a payment at a much lower price. If they don't want to sell it, then that's that's OK. Mm -hmm. They don't have to sell it. If they want to sell it, that's realistically what you have to do because people aren't going to buy it because they they can't. So setting those expectations is a big one because it has changed drastically and people, you know, People get their information from a Facebook Live that says, hey, I just sold my house with 15 offers. Okay, great. What market are you in? Yeah. Where yeah. do you live? <laughs> what price range was yeah. that house, right? Right. So you're not going to get that every time. And when the rates went from 4.75 to 6, it's like that happened pretty quickly. And that was a big change also. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's so good to put out there for people of this is shifting and to shift those expectations and what your uncle did yeah. <laughs> yeah. in 2020 <laughs> and his advice <laughs> isn't relevant today. Isn't and that's relevant. also why you need a professional. You're doing this every day. And so you know what expectations to set for your clients. Yeah. Well, some of the investors that we worked with that I've worked with since 2013, 14, 15, um, I still keep in close contact with them and they'll say, have you found any duplexes for 200,000 for me? <laughs> yeah. No, they still don't exist and they haven't since we bought you that one in 2014, right? And so they kind of have this expectation. They know it's not real, but they're also very stuck on it because they spent so much money on these dinky little houses that yeah. are now worth 450,000 mm -hmm. bucks. 
And, you know, that's just what they want because that's what they've seen. So if they've told their kids that's what they bought for, then those kids, are, they also want those prices. And they're just not realistic prices. So it's setting the expectation. And a lot of times going into a buyer consultation, they'll say, hey, here's the prices. Here's what you want. Here's these areas. And what can we give from this? Can we give up price? Can we fudge on the price? Probably not. You're at your max. Can we fudge on the location? Yes, but do you want to, right? Do you want to go further west? Do you want to go further east? You know, what do you want to do on this? Do you want to go into a different county? And then it comes down to condition. So you've got price, you've got location, you've got condition. Because you can find a great house at a great price in Cottonwood Heights, and the condition is about stripped to the studs, <laughs> right? So the condition isn't quite there. And you can find a mansion that is in a different area, and it's in perfect shape, but it's you know, on a busy corner where in a city you don't want to live in. Mm -hmm. So I always say sit next to the Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> I always say price, location, or condition, pick two of them and you'll be satisfied. <laughs> Why do you think you've stayed in the, been able to survive in the industry so long? Because I mean, the average lifespan, lifespan, I mean, you look at career life, lifespan of a pro football players, like eight years, but Real estate agents, it's probably even less than that. It's a lot less, yeah. I, I think that I got started with some really good mentors, which was super helpful. So that helped me stick around the first year. And then I probably had enough you know, of a pipeline and enough of a feel for the business at that point where things the second year were a little bit easier. It wasn't just learning, learning, learning. It was, you know, learning mixed in with, uh, I already know that I can do that again. And then the other thing is setting up some systems and, and putting systems in place and, and also transaction coordinators, good title companies, good home inspectors, all of those things that are kind of difficult to find initially, but you find your system and you find your people and you find people that work well with you and it makes it a lot easier so I think I may have been able to stay in the business long enough because of that. Because I have some really good people that I work with, mm -hmm. which makes it enjoyable, makes it just that much easier on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Well, I'm going to shift here just a little bit on this question. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Your, your likes. Kind of a personal thing. Yeah. Personal stuff. So I really enjoy wake surfing. Oh, cool. So that's been one of those things that I've really enjoyed the last handful of years. My wife and I went out and got a couple of surfboards that fit us and then we can contribute. We don't have a boat and so we just make sure we are really great guests. <laughs> That's the way to be. So when, I'll clean your boat anytime. Yeah. Bring great snacks. Yeah. So when we go out boating, we've got snacks and drinks and good boards that we share with everyone there because, you know, a boat owner's got a huge expense, lots of gas, all that stuff that they're spending. Yeah. So we really, I really enjoy wake surfing uh traveling as well pretty much anywhere with the beach um i really like to travel to uh i like west coast beaches well. or east coast beaches uh probably be careful your answer here because well, you're talking to an east coast guy <laughs> it's my top is going to be hawaii and then the caribbean oh, okay. so so let's right, go then let's we go went farther out of there. Out. yeah yeah um so traveling is a big one as well uh i've really enjoyed europe quite a bit um we've got uh i think we, i've always got to have something on the books to, mm -hmm. to keep me motivated because it's like, hey, this is coming up. That's going to be really fun. Just fairly finished with culinary school. And yeah. I had a great time with that. Just had an interest in food. 
and wanted to do got, something more. I have an, it's, it's amazing. I have an interest, Stephanie, in food, <laughs> yeah. eating it. Yeah. You know. But. So here's the great thing about that is I think everyone is interested in eating, <laughs> but you always get kind of crappy food. You don't want to, you know, you go to a potluck and it's like, oh, yeah. someone opened a can and poured it in here. Yeah. It's like, I guess that's what we're eating. I, I want my dish to stand out a little more. This is so. why you are a great boat guest to all of you <laughs> yeah. listeners. Yeah. He's not bringing Vienna sausages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that was a ton of fun. I learned a lot. So you have a favorite dish that you make? So one that I have always really liked and we'll do it for Christmas is beef wellington. Oh yeah. Um it's just it's a really nice cut of meat and then it's covered in this mushroom sauce and wrapped in prosciutto and then wrapped in a puff pastry and baked. Now, this is what I'm going to say, Stephanie. Right now, we're going to commit Jordan. He's going to be bringing Beef Wellington in for Christmas time for us. That one's a good one because it's super unique, has really interesting flavors that you kind of don't get in other dishes. And it's also just not something you come across all that often. It's it's more of a it's a very special yeah, event. Yeah, it's, it's a special thing. to you. Yeah, uh, dish. Yeah. One thing I'm not great at is making my own donuts, but I do enjoy oh, eating donuts. Donuts are great. Yeah. I'm kind of partic- particular about do we, that. Do you have a favorite donut store? I do. It's called Donuts and Deli. It's on State and 27th uh-huh. in Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. We're giving a big shout out to them. Wait, yeah. uh, they've been around for a long time. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It used to be Wetzel's, um, uh-huh. and then they've kind of got that like oblong. Yeah, uh, sign out front, <laughs> and you'd miss it if you didn't know it was there. You just drive right by it, and there's a line out the door. They usually sell up by noon or one o'clock. Mm. Just this great little shop. I um, get myself some of those. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy it. So there's a couple of other good shops, and there's a lot of really bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Donuts and Deli is. Well, I know the Seven Eleven has the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So a question for you, after doing culinary school, do you feel like you notice more things in the kitchen when you're showing houses? That's a great point. I do. I've noticed, for example, knives or pots and pans and things like that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as they have them hanging or displayed. Prep space is another one. If someone has a nice big island, I can appreciate that Mm -hmm. or a nice, nice range, a nice oven. It's usually just the difference between gas and electric stoves, though. And, and I always point that out to people. Hey, this one's got a gas stove. It's going to be a lot easier to cook on. That's my personal preference. Uh-huh. Some people like the electric. I just yeah. like the gas. Now, I've got a gas oven and an electric oven. Mm-hmm. Two of them. My oven? wife. Ovens. Uh, not stovetop oven. Not stovetop. Yeah. But, well, I have a stovetop right, sure. gas also. But uh, but she seems to have an easier time with the electric than the yeah, gas just, oven as far as bakery stuff. Yeah, you know, like that, cookies and that one is pretty consistent. It's just, it's electric and it does kind of what you yeah you know exactly kind where of you want simple. it to yeah the gas Why also is it the gas have I don't know problem? the gas almost adds a little bit of flavor into it as well yeah. and, and maybe not a flavor that you like either you open a gas oven you can smell it yeah you can uh-huh. it doesn't necessarily smell like gas but you can tell it's gas mm-hmm. over electric yeah I think if you can just get a convection it really is helpful because oh, everything's yeah. the heat yeah. is swirling around it cooking right. everything evenly you know put your bread in for half the time and then pull the pan out, flip it around and then put it back in. Mm. So then you're still getting an even bake, even on a, even on an oven that doesn't work great. Yeah. So then you're getting all the hot spots. Well, shockingly from the East coast to the West coast, it's a big deal. West coast for us, say Utah, really East coast to Utah is a big difference as far as the time you cook it because of the humidity and, and the dryness. And I, 
it's shocking to yeah. me. My wife was having to totally adjust. Yeah. So, so you know, the boiling temperature is different at sea level. Mm-hmm. I think it's 214. And in Utah, right where we're at, it's 204. Might be 212 at sea level. Either way, it's a different temperature. Um, And then the way French macarons, it's the little pastries with the cream in the the middle. Mm -hmm. They're really great. They're super temperamental. You have to have a different recipe in Utah than you do in uh, at sea level. Oh, interesting. Because of the way that it bakes. So it's just a slightly tweaked. But yeah, if you just brought an East Coast recipe here, it would fail. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Well, (laughs) <laughs> this is why we're having problems. My wife keeps thinking it's because she's getting old and she's not a better cook, but it's because we moved out here and she can't get it all. There you straight. go. Yeah. I could just see you and like all these foodies that love to cook, like nerding out in the kitchen <laughs> totally. and be like, oh, yeah. look at this prep space. Yeah. Look at this. So my mom taught me a lot of that. She's a really good cook and she seasons things well. She mm-hmm. And you'll say, mom, what is this? Oh, I just, you know, pulled some things out, threw it in and, and you know. Like it's a gourmet meal. It's not a stew. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a lasagna. You don't just mm-hmm. throw things. What, well, you know, what's the sauce? Oh, I just whipped it up and made it out of a roux. And you're like, well, <laughs> who does that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So she, she was fun to watch growing up because she did really, really nice things. And, and maybe that's where I got my interest. A little from. bit of boom. Yeah. That's cool. So our slogan here at Title One is securing a house for your home. Do you have any experiences where you loved watching your clients get that house. I try and make that an experience every time. Mm-hmm. I don't just want people to get a property. If any of my clients call me, you know, within six or 12 months of purchasing to sell, unless it was some big life event or, you know, something crazy happened, they got this huge raise and could afford more or something like that. It, it's always, a, it would be a bit of a bummer to me because I really like to look at it long-term for them. So as they're buying a house, you know, they're getting excited. They're really emotionally invested in these places. And I think that's so much fun to see because it's not just a transaction. Anybody could do a transaction. You can just write up a contract and send yeah. it in. That That's the easy part of my job. The, the rest of it is what is more difficult. And because of that is more enjoyable. Yeah, turning just any old house into a home and looking at it and saying, hey, this, you know, completely bare backyard that's all dust. Let's get some landscapers out here. Let's look at it. Let's get a designer out here. Let's just look at things and how you can do it. What about putting a tree here? Can you imagine a swing set in the the corner for the kids? Can you imagine a canopy in your barbecue? And just envisioning that. and, And it's so much fun to envision that with them in a dirt lot. And then it's also fun to see it, you know, six or eight months later when that has been achieved. Mm -hmm. And then you go over and hang out and they've got this great home. Uh, And I, I find a lot of joy in that. I think that's one of those, maybe one of those things back to that other question that kind of keeps me going Mm -hmm. is seeing that excitement. I like that. What, what, what other reason would you have to work? Stephanie, why are you coming to work? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. You get that excitement. No, it is. I think it would be really kind of exciting as a real estate agent to pass by homes that you've, you know, 10 years have gone by and there's a family in there that you, that you led into that house and helped secure that uh, house for their home. And now there's trees that have grown up in the back and it's just, you know, it's almost um, like you, are part of the family. Yeah. I, yeah. And on the flip side, I'll go past houses 
that I showed clients that they considered or maybe even wrote an offer on. And then we changed our mind for one reason or another and then ended up somewhere else. And as I pass those houses, I'll call them up and say, hey, I was just thinking about you. I'm so glad you didn't buy this house. I'm so glad you're at where you're at. And, you know, and, and this is why. And it, it's also fun to see that because they, they're not necessarily missed opportunities, but like a, a failed showing, for example, you see mm-hmm. it and it's just for whatever reason, it doesn't work out and where they end up just works out nicely. And, and uh, that's fun for me. Yeah. It's like getting married, you know, where you're like, oh, I'm so happy I didn't work with that person. (laughs) (laughs) See that person in the mall and you go, what the? And then you go, I dodged a bullet there. (laughs) (laughs) So to end, Jordan, why do you feel like people should invest in Utah? Uh, There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons to invest in all types of markets. I think... I think you notice a lot of outdoorsy people coming to Utah and enjoying the mountains, enjoying the lakes, the boating, the hiking, the skiing, the biking. Um, Almost anyone that comes here, I always ask them the same thing. Hey, why Utah? You know, Utah's a bit of a unique spot. You're from New York, really great culture, good food, good things like that. Why Utah? And it's typically the mountains, right? I can go up the canyon, come back to work, go up the next canyon after work and and see all these great things. I think there's a I think that Utah does have a lot to offer and I think it's continually growing in the right direction. Um, and that's why we see more and more people coming here. Now-